Welcome to Top Landing Gear and to our series of interviews from the 2021 Bournemouth Air Festival. Now, putting on an air show requires an immense amount of organisation and safety is, of course, paramount. But when a display takes place over the sea and away from an airfield, who controls the display area and calls the aircraft in to begin their display? What if they need to hold or if there needs to be a last-minute change due to unforeseen circumstances? Well, Dave Walton from Airshow Specialists TSA Consulting Limited is the flying display director for airshows all over the UK, including Bournemouth. So who better to talk to us about everything that's involved in the smooth and safe operation of an airshow over the sea? So we're at day two here of the Bournemouth Air Festival. With us is Dave Walton, who's the flying display director. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. I'm always intrigued how these seaside air shows work from the display control point of view, because I can understand an airfield, you've got a control tower, you've got air traffic control there, but how does it work at a place like this, at a beach? So it's pretty unique because we have to set up everything. So we take, um, uh, you know, essentially a, a bare seafront and we have to put in all the things you'd expect to see in air show. So we have to mark display lines, we have to, um, we have to have a, uh, what you would call an air traffic control setup, which is actually it's a slightly lower level of service than that, but we, we talk to the aeroplanes. Um, we have to bring in a flying control committee to come and do the supervision aspects of what we're looking at. Um, and then obviously the council here are putting in crowd lines, toilets, you know, all the, all of the usual stuff you get in an event. So yeah. we're, we're, we're doing an event on the seafront and we're essentially bolting on all the aviation aspects to it. So the, crowd, uh, the display line is marked by boys in the sea. Yeah, so we hit here, um, and in fact, most seaside sites. So the, the other thing we have to think about at the at the seaside is uh, is boats, um, unlike at an airfield. Um, but we have to mark um, a maritime safety zone. So we have a whole set of buoys out there which denote where the display area is. Um, the display area is the area in which um, display pilots can use their display clearances. They can get down to low level. They can do aerobatics, that kind of thing. Um, and we mark that with buoys. The, the boats all stay outside that area. And then inside the display area, we mark that with um, with markers for the 230 meter line, which is generally the separation for high performance aeroplanes and military aeroplanes. And then at 150 meters, we have a second line, which is for lower performance aeroplanes, mainly civilian aircraft and helicopters. And is there an equivalent to no tams for boats to sort of say stay away? Yeah. From, so um, a, there is a, a notice to mariners which goes out and oh. says you know and and. Um, at the seaside, generally, people come out in their boats to watch the display, so yeah. they're all motivated to try and help. They don't really want to, if they, yeah. if they sail through into the display area, then we have to stop flying. So, so they're all they're all there. They generally behave, um, and we've had as many as about twelve hundred boats here um, in the past, um, where they all form up around the edge to watch the flying. Yeah. So, once the display gets underway, all these things are in place. How are the aircraft cleared to come in and begin their display? If you've got aircraft visiting from. Uh, far away i assume there must be a holding pattern somewhere how does how does all that work so yeah so going back to the sort of planning stage we we um, request restricted airspace so i've got restricted airspace that is a essentially a big rectangle that sits here on the coast um goes up to 5500 feet um and that's our display airspace um it does sort of go a little bit into bournemouth's um air traffic zone um and so they they sort of give us that piece of airspace and we work very close with them obviously because they're they're close to us crowd rear um, we have two holds. We've got one that's out um, uh, to the west, out uh, beyond Pool, near Swanage. We've got another hold at the east over Hengisbury Head. Uh, and depending on which runway we're on at Bournemouth, we basically fire people off 
um, from the airport out to one of those holds. They come into the display area, do they do their thing, and then they depart um, out, usually by the other hold, back to back to the airport. So we tend to get um, a one-way flow going if we can, yeah. depending on which one we want at Bournemouth. And does, does it affect? I mean, how does, does wind and weather affect how the display looks? Which side people? Yeah, exactly that. So, so depending on which runway the airport's on yeah, is, is, is where, generally where people will, will arrive from. So um, some of them will want to start from a particular direction. Some yep. of them will want to, to start into wind for yep. performance for the aeroplane. Um, so it really depends on, on what's going on. If, if we've got... Um, most displays will have a full, a rolling or a flat show, depending yep. on what the cloud base is doing. So they may be subtly different, those displays. Um, so the weather does affect what we're doing. And I suppose here, unlike Eastbourne, where the, you've got Gatwick right above you, you're fairly clear, other than say Hearn. Yeah, um, it's, it's fairly clear airspace. Right? So it, at Eastbourne, we've got again, we've got airspace up to five thousand five hundred feet, and immediately above that is is um, Gatwick's airspace. Yeah. So we're very limited what we can do outside of the outside of our, our, our restricted airspace there in terms of zoom climbing yeah. and big aerobatics, and the, the red arrows have to get a special clearance to do that. Here, you, you're correct. We've got we've got um, class G above us. So it's only for t- when the typhoon does his zoom climb at the end when he goes yes. um, really high performance climb. That's the only thing we really have to coordinate in any detail and get clearance from um, Southampton to go into their airspace. And in terms of RT, are you in RT contact with the aircraft? You're, you're on the seafront, Dave. Yes, yes, so we're, we're in a cabin on the seafront. So there, there's, um, there's me, I'm, I'm the display director. I hold the permission from the, from the CAA to, to run the event. Um, and you know, I have to have, um, there's now an accreditation system for display directors in the UK. So I am... This is a, um, there's also a tiering system, so this is a big event. This is a tier three event, which is the, the biggest you can have. Oh. So I'm accredited to tier three. Um, I've got two deputies who are also tier three accredited, so they can they can either stand in for me or um, I can go and have a have a tea break, and they can they can run the show. And the way we generally work it is, I will sit in the chair making the decisions about what we're doing with the flying. So whether to be on time, whether to run early, whether to be um, you know, to run late, depending on what's going on. We're talking to the airport about what's happening on the ground there. Um, and so there's me and the air trafficker sort of trying to um, run the show, if you like, uh, and do all, the, do all the complicated maths about whether people are going to be on time, whether we're going to have to hold people. Um, then we've got the Flying Control Committee, who are um, my safety specialists, if you like, um, and their job is just to watch the flying. And so they don't get involved in any of the um, yeah. any of the decision making really about timings and stuff. Their job is to literally look out the window, um, or stand out the front and watch the flying and look yeah. for any safety aspects. So we, we, we heard from one pilot who will remain unnamed that somebody <laughs> may have got a low height warning yesterday. That's yeah. one of the things they would do. Is that they'd say, "We think you're low, bring the bring the display up." Yeah. So um, so we've got um, we've got people who are sitting there watching the whole time. But there is a there's a published warning. Um, um, warning uh, comments and phraseology that's in the, in the regulations now. Yeah. So if we perceive somebody is is close to that limit, we'll give them a warning call, and it is a warning call. It's not a you know it's not a um, anything more serious than that. Um, and then we'll debrief for them afterwards. And that's so my guys are sat there watching for all those kind of things, and you know we we run a log of what's going on um, just to to keep track of what's happening. And who's actually calling the aircraft in, saying, "Okay, you're now clear to begin your display." So I've got we we have an air ground radio service down there um, because. You know, we're not on an airfield. We're literally just setting up, yeah. um, setting up a radio and antennas. You know, up a, up a piece of scaffolding. So, um, so it's an air ground service. So we're very limited what we can do there, but it, it works fine for air shows, to be honest. Um, so, Bournemouth Airport will launch aircraft yes. to the holds, which we've already pre-agreed where that's going to happen. So I've just completed the um, the display brief in in um, inside the hotel. And when we do the brief, we talk about um, who wants to go where, and we just work out a deconfliction plan. Um, so you know, we know if somebody's going to the west hold. Um, 
we know that we're not going to stick anybody else in the West Hole until they've cleared, or if we are going to do that, we're going to work out some kind of a height deconfliction plan. So, so that's already agreed in advance. The airport's sitting on the brief, so they know what's happening in terms of the flow. They will get people airborne to the holds, um, and when they're in the hold, they're checking in our frequency. Right. Um, and then we'll call them into display. So, uh, so, right. so I'm sat with the air trafficker, and I'll say, yeah, let's get let's get Typhoon on now, and he'll run and do his thing, and then we'll hand them back to the airport. And would that be the same operation at Eastbourne? Sorry, I keep mentioning Eastbourne because I've been to that display for many years, and I love it, because they don't have a host airfield like Hearn yeah. here at Bournemouth. So, um, so most of the seaside air shows are a bit more complicated. So Bourne, um, Eastbourne sorry, is, is tricky because we've got Shoreham, yes. um, Red Hill, North Wheels, um, Manston when it used to be open. We're using lots of airfields, yeah. and, and those transit times are much greater. So um, so I think last night Typhoon got airborne from the Bournemouth and he was in the display area about two minutes later. So yes. he, he's not hanging around. Whereas if you're getting airborne from North Wheels in a MiG-15, for example, to come to Eastbourne, yes. you've got a fairly complicated transit to go all around London yeah. um, and, and all around the south coast um, or cross-country to get to us. So... Um, so we don't have that sort of SA there. So that's all done on, we, you know, we're sat in class G airspace. So all we're doing there is the, the planning and the briefing process becomes more important then because we need to know who's doing what and when. Yeah. And, and we sit there looking. We're not going to get a phone call saying so, so-and-so's got airborne. So we have uh-huh. to have pretty good situational awareness as to who's likely to be in the hold. You know, we're listening out for them checking in. We can look out the window and we can see the hold so we can see who's doing what. So who would be controlling them at that point? Getting who gets them into the hold? At Eastbourne. At Eastbourne. At Eastbourne, they get themselves to the hold. Oh. So right. literally, they, they it's basically get yourself to the beachy head hold, and then call us on the radio, um, and then we'll bring you on when it's time. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. So it, it does vary, and you know, Sunderland, we've got we have a, a chunk of Newcastle's airport um, airspace up there as well that we yeah. we use. Um, Newcastle's fairly close. Um, they don't really give us sort of a, um, a radar service, but we know, you know, they, they call us to let us know who's getting airborne and things yeah. like that. So it really depends on where we are. And as you've seen, obviously, millions of displays, do you have a favourite? <laughs> oh, well, clearly, as we're sat in sunshine in Bournemouth, I've yep. got to say Bournemouth, haven't I? <laughs> Actually, it's, it's, it's pretty much the only show I've done this year. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so I've obviously, the last 18 months have been a bit of a challenge, and I've done lots of events where it's me on my own mm. in a field doing a red arrow display or yeah. doing a, you know, a, a solo display. Yeah. Um, and so this is the first time this year where we've, we've brought you know a big team all the kit it's been on a busy seafront it's yeah. the first time we've had a proper big air show so good, this, this feels like normal again, again. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. and the actual displays themselves which aircraft or display team is your favorite i <laughs> couldn't possibly pick a favorite that is and um, uh, speaks to me again on monday when it's all over and then, <laughs> i don't want to prejudice anyway so dev i'm fascinated to know how you got into this job are you what's your background and we keep speaking to people here who do who are one-offs we've spoken to one of two wing walkers in the world you know very few people do these jobs how did you get into it it's it's another probably another fluky story really so i um i uh went traveling i had i was in a job i didn't enjoy and i saved up some money and went traveling and came back from australia pretty poor um (laughs) and i applied for a, a job at um at Riyadh at RAF Fairford and it was only a summer it was only a temporary summer job and my my um, my dad had been the airfield manager there in the 70s he'd parked all the those big long lines of Hercules you used to see on the at Riyadh in the, seven, in the 1780s he did all that so I had a sort of a, a bit of a knowledge of the air show um, the air show business and so um, I started working at Riyadh and then ended up staying there for seven years um, doing the shows there um, and then got out and, and started doing it with a couple of partners um, doing mainly these kind of seaside shows so I think at the last count I'd done um, knocking on 200 air shows and I think I've been FTD for 
about 110 of them, I think, 120 of them. So you've learnt on the job, and, and are you setting standards for uh, writing protocols, and, or is that dictated to you by CAA and other people? No, I think, um, I think you know, in the post-Shoreham era, um, you know, which is the, um, the last sort of six years, um, we the industry works closely with the regulator to try and you know work that kind of stuff out we are lucky we've got a very good relationship with the regulator the military regulator is here today actually he's he's auditing us which is you know, part of the process they go through um we get involved in some of the training for display directors um both here and i do that in australia as well i, I do a, a course with australian air force um to teach their display directors out there so so we we're involved in a little bit of the, of the regulatory development um and training um but it's it is a unique situation. We have this country has one of the biggest display industries, if you like, if you want to call it that. Um, just in terms of numbers of participants and the variety as well. And obviously, the states is very big, but they're also geographically very separated, so they sort of tend to get little clusters. Whereas we've got a lot in this country, really. So, um, so it is a good community. It's very nice to stand up in front of those people in there who I some of them haven't seen for a couple of years, and um, it does feel like we're back to normal again, and we're. We're doing it all again. How have things changed? Obviously, the unfortunate events at Shoreham changed aspects of, of, of their displays quite, quite a lot. How, have you seen a, a marked change? And are we, are we going to ever, are things ever going to get closer? Or are we where we are now? And this is as, as, as close as we're going to get, if you like. Well, I think, I think if, you, if you go back and look at it, I think option one for the CAA with a you know a serious major accident like that yeah. was to stop air shows altogether yeah. so i think you know what number one we were very lucky that we had people at the caa who actually fought to keep air shows happening yeah and and it you know events happened the week after short and the weekend after Shoreham, i ran a, a flying display um uh you know which which went safely and thankfully we you know we all got on with we all got on with business for that year and then yeah. things have changed since but um a lot of a lot of i guess what you would call the good old days are gone, but yeah. then I think that's probably that's probably true of aviation generally, isn't it? I think right. there's a um, for good or for bad. Um, there are a lot more regulations, restrictions, limitations. Um, there's a lot more cameras and mobile phones around now, so yeah. that, that everything's being filmed. Um, so there's there's nowhere to hide really anymore. And so I think I think the place we've got to now is actually pretty good. Um, I think it's a shame some things have have been lost forever, but also what we are doing is we're running safe shows that are, are consistent with a, a well known and stable set of regulations that's that's the, that's the key thing if we end up changing regulations every year then it gets pretty tricky so we're in a pretty stable environment now where we all know what we're doing so it's um it's good so for you personally running air shows at the british seaside any any regrets <laughs> well again as, as we're sat here in the sun in the sunshine i can't really complain um i think um i i often say that on on a nice weather day um, sat up there in my cabin with a really great team of, of guys who work for me. My job's brilliant. And it's really easy. So if I'm sat there, you know, looking out the window and occasionally sending an email and drinking cups of coffee, that's that's brilliant. Um, on the on the bad weather days, I really sort of <laughs> get up to my capacity because it's you're constantly and, and again here, Bournemouth Airport's really close. East, if we have bad weather in Eastbourne, mm. I've got people who may be at, at um, Red Hill in good weather. Mm. And we're in poor weather, or vice versa. Yeah. I might have people who are stuck at Duxford and can't get south. Um, and you're and you're constantly trying to rejig the program. We're constantly thinking about how long, how much permission have I got? What times my permission run out? What times my airspace run out? Can the typhoon do half his display? And that, you know, so it's just it is a it's a massive juggling act. Are the are the airspace sort of the air traffic controllers generally sympathetic to air shows? 
I mean, you, you, so you, say you're in Eastbourne and you've got the London TMA above you. Are they sympathetic or are they saying, bloody hell, you know, why have we got to reroute all our bloody traffic for, for these buggers? <laughs> no, no, they are. I think so generally they are. And like here, air traffic at, at Bournemouth are brilliant. Yeah, they yeah. really, you know, we literally obviously couldn't do this without their help. Yeah. Um, I think when you get out into sort of more open airspace and certainly with, East, with Eastbourne, yeah. um, I think um, they are helpful and they're enthusiastic and they're professionals trying to do their job. I think they're a little bit hamstrung by what they can do for us now. So um, a few years ago, we used to be able to say, can we send a you know can we send a typhoon up to flight level 100 and back down again in 30 seconds you know up through your airspace and they would they would look at it and say yes or no we can do that or we can't do that now i think just because there's now got to be a risk assessment process there's got to be you know they, they're operating to, to sort of slightly constrained um limits yeah. so it's not as easy to do that kind of thing we have to talk to them a lot further in advance and, and, I, and I guess that's just them that's their risk mitigation strategy and they've got to do what they do to to protect um you know other airspace users and the future, the future's bright for air shows. I think so. You know, I think you know. There's, I think if you, um, there's a lot of pessimism about the fact that you know there's not many military displays around anymore, and you know and it's all going to be drones in a few years' time. But we've got a brilliant historic air, aircraft industry or um, community in this country. Um, you know, today you, you'll be able to see um, four warbirds flying in close formation, which is just fantastic. In fact, today we're going to do something a bit different. We're going to fly them with the blades, so it's going to be eight aeroplanes flying together as a, as a um, blades flying in formation with warbirds. So we can do those kind of things. I think we can still put on a good show. I think uh, military participation has... In the, you know, I could run a three-hour show with just military about 10, 15 years ago, and I can't do that anymore because they, those, those items just don't exist. So um, it's going to be more civilian... Um, and we've just got to, you know, we've just got to run with it and do what we can. But the, the community's good. Everyone's very enthusiastic, and um, and the regulations for the moment work. So you know, we'll, we'll do what we can. Indeed. I need to pay my mortgage, so hopefully, yeah, should be around for a little while. <laughs> Absolutely. And it looks like the weather is set fair here in Bournemouth now for the rain three days. So I think it's lots of coffees for you watching the displays. That's that's the way I hope it will be. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. Thanks. Well, huge thanks to everyone who took time to talk to us. And remember, you can hear more interviews from the Bournemouth Air Festival and all our Top Landing Gear podcasts wherever you normally get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on social media at Top Landing Gear and get in touch with us by email at info at toplandinggear.com. That's info at toplandinggear.com. Two Gs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>